This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. place of honor. That's where he is right now. But Jesus don't think that he's just there sitting. What is he doing? We discovered that Jesus is forever interceding for us. He's praying for you and I right now. Since before when you were born came out of your womb, you know, Christ has been interceding for us. And even when you didn't know him, scripture says, even though when we're yet still sinners, he still loved us. He's been praying that you come to him, have a relationship with him. Do you not feel happy and motivated when you know that someone, whether it's your family or friends, are rooting for you and supporting you? Although they may not always be there for you, do you know who is? Pastor Eddie tells you in today's message that Jesus sits at the right hand of God and that He's always pleading for you to the Father. You, as a human, will make mistakes, but Jesus will always be there to support and guide you. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. As he begins his message, Jesus, High Priest of a Better Covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to read the whole chapter and then we'll go over it verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 8. The writer of Hebrew writes this. Now, this is the main point of the things which we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne, the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy, a shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now... He has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on a better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach their neighbor and none of his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful 
to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. In Hebrew chapter 8, since there, the priesthood has changed, the law has changed, the priesthood came from another tribe, uh, so too the, the place in which the priest serves. It's going to speak about the tabernacle, the temple in which he served, and also, more importantly and finally, a new covenant, a new covenant. And so, for those of you who are taking notes, in verses 1 through 6, in verses 1 through 6, we'll see a new priestly service in a new location, a new priestly service. And then in verses 7 through 13, um, we're going to see a better covenant, which is the new covenant. Well, read the text. Let us now study a text verse by verse. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. It says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. After the writer, in the past seven chapters, we've studied it from, you know, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. There he pointed out that Jesus is greater than the angels, greater than uh, the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Joshua. He's a greater rest. Um, and he's a greater promise. Now we see that he's getting to the main point that Jesus is the great high priest. And he gets to the main point, to his main thesis of the letter. Notice the word, before we go any further, the word we here, it mentions when he says we, the writer who we don't know who the writer is, um, so there's speculations as to who the writer of Hebrews is. Obviously, there are other Jews, Jewish believers, who were with the writer, who was also Jewish and had found their faith in Jesus Christ. Then later on, we'll see, he'll give us the we again. He's not speaking French, by the way. He's including everyone that's in agreement that Christ is the great high priest. And just as we, you and I, we know and we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus Christ is the great high priest. So in verse 1, he says, now this is the main point of the things we are seeing. We have such a high priest, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is seated... He is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Well, we looked at the Levitical priesthood. We saw the law. We saw all the sacrifice the priest had to make, had to perform according to the law. Now he turns our attention from the earthly priesthood, man, the earthly tabernacle, and he turns our attention to the high priest who is where? Seated in the heavens. And that's what we're looking at. Every day, that's where our focus is, is in heaven. The good thing is that God is not only in heaven, he's in our hearts. And so, but now he turns our attention to the great high priest who is seated at the right hand of the majesty of most high. Now, right hand speaks of position, position of honor, of power, and of authority. And Jesus is seated right next to the majesty most high, speaking of God the Father, a place of honor. That's where he is right now. But Jesus don't think that he's just there sitting. What is he doing? We discovered that Jesus is forever interceding for us. He's praying for you and I right now. Since before when you were born came out of your womb, you know, Christ has been interceding for us. And even when you didn't know him, the scripture says, even though when we're yet still sinners, he still loved us. He's been praying that you come to him, have a relationship with him. And he's always interceding, but he also stands. If you remember when Stephen was being stoned to death in the book of Acts, and he said, I see the Lord standing in heaven. 
So Christ stands when he needs to. I don't think he needs to stand to stretch his legs like quite often I do. You know, as you get older, you just, you feel, no, he stands. But his position, where he is as the great high priest, he's seated at the right hand of the father. So with the Levitical priesthood that was here on earth, every high priest from Aaron, the very first high priest, all the way up to the last priest in the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, all stood. They never sat down. In the Holy of Holies. When they enter into the holy place and even into the Holy of Holies, they always stood. They had to stand. Later on, the writer of Hebrews is going to further explain that aspect of the high priest. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 12, he writes this, But every priest stands, ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But this man, he's speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. You see, the Levitical priesthood from Aaron until the very last, when they went into the Holy of Holies, none of them ever, ever sat down. In fact, when you read in Exodus, for you students, you want to take, go home and find out God giving Moses at the mountain in Mount Sinai, the Lord gave Moses uh, instructions in how to build a tabernacle. And that's in Exodus from chapters 25 to chapter 31. Exodus chapter 25 to chapter 31. And there the Lord gave Moses instructions how to build the temple, even the furnishings of the temple. However, when you look at the furnishings of the temple, the Lord never gave Moses instruction to build a chair. A chair was not to be in the tabernacle. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I grew up... Where, you know, you go to churches and you have all the important people sitting on the stage. <laughs> you know, I never really appreciated that. I didn't even know the Bible verse. But I say, wait a minute, there wasn't, a, you know, in the temple. And, you know, people exalt themselves, you know, and they sit up there, okay, and they're watching everybody worship. It, was, it really wasn't good. But there was never a chair. And when we think about chair, what do we think of? We think about resting. Resting. We think about rest. However, the high priest, when he performed his priestly duty, he never sat down. There was no reason for a chair because there wasn't rest. He's ministering daily, offering repeated sacrifice for the atonement of sins for the people and for himself. He had to do daily, but once a year, he had to do it for the nation. And there was no rest. As a matter of fact, there was a great fear in their hearts when they went into the Holy of Holies once a year. Some tradition said that the high priest, they would tie a rope at his ankle because if he fell, he wasn't right before the Lord because he had to sacrifice every day, atone for Many a times they would stay in the holy place, not the holy of holies, for weeks. Why? They don't want to sin for that day when they have to atone for the sins of the world. They don't want to fall into sin. They don't want to fight over their neighbor because their camel crashed into the other camel. They didn't want to argue with it. They didn't want any of that. They wanted to be pure in heart when they go into the Holy of Holies. They wanted to be ready. They didn't want to sin. But if they sinned, they would die. If they weren't right with God. And what they would do is when they hear a thumb, oh, Menachem is down. 
We need another high priest. So they had to drag him because if they went in and got him, they too would die. And But when he went in there, there wasn't even a rest. I don't think he, who would want to sit down with such fear. You go into the Holy of Holies and there it is, the Ark of the Covenant, the seat of God. There was no rest. And if the high priest, here's the point about this rest. If the high priest cannot rest himself, how can he be rest for the people? You see? And so there's a difference. He can't provide rest for himself. How can he provide rest for the rest of the people? However, we look to Jesus Christ, right? He is our rest. And because he has completed the work of salvation, the atonement of the sins, he's, he, he sacrificed his own life, he can now sit in the heavenly holy of holies. And because he rests, we rest. You see, because the work is done. It is completed, the work of the cross. When Jesus was on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, it is finished, and he bowed his hand and gave up his spirit. It is complete. It is not, Jesus did not say, okay, I got us this far. You take it from here. No, it's not a Jesus and religion. It's not a Jesus and rules and rituals. It's not a Jesus and do this and Jesus and doctrine. It is completed once and for all. The work of salvation through Jesus Christ on the cross. And because he's done it, he is our rest. We can rest because he's our high priest. He paid for our sins and we can rest. He is our Sabbath. I don't know. That's good news for me. Verse 1, let's read, let's read verse 1 into 2 so we get the context here. Now, this is the main point of things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated on the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. Verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. And so the great high priest Jesus Christ is ministering in the heavenly sanctuary there that was created by God. No man has created heaven, only God himself. He created heaven and earth and he created his place. And we see Jesus, he set the example of ministering. You know, the word minister is the word servant in the Greek. It is the word servant. And quite often, ministers who have this title, title minister, you know, or whatever title, they tend to want to be served rather than served. So whoever has a title of minister should be the one to serve. And Jesus set the example of serving when he was here on earth. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give him his life, a ransom for many. Jesus set the example of serving. Here we have the master our Lord, the creator, washing the very feet that he created on the disciples. And disciples didn't, no way, Lord, you wash my feet. Jesus humbled himself. But he continues daily, as we mentioned earlier, and here's the verse, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says, therefore he, speaking of Christ, is also able to serve to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives always lives to make intercession for them. And that's his desire. His ministry now, okay, his ministry continues. We looked at the three tenths of save in the scripture. And you'll find save, being saved, 
and will be saved. We discussed this last week, right? Saved, being saved, and will be saved. Three-tenths, justification, sanctification, and glorification. That is the doctrine of saved. People just worry about the justification. That's great, but sanctification is just as important because ultimately you want to stand before the Lord in glorification. And that's what he does. This is the reason why he ministers. You think it stopped at the cross for you and I? No, no. We need him more. Not We don't need his prayers for salvation. We need his prayers to keep us in line with the Lord, in relationship with him, so that we can be sanctified as we live for the Lord. And so he does this now in the heavenly place, in the tabernacle, not an earthly tabernacle. Now, the earthly tabernacle was a copy of the things already in heaven. And when the Lord gave Moses those instructions in Exodus chapter 25 to 31, it was to give a picture. You'll see how detailed the instructions were as far as having cherubims on the panels of the tabernacle, the holy of holies. You know, the golden altar of incense, that little, that's the closest piece of furniture to the Holy of Holies, by the way. And that's the altar where they would burn incense, which is prayer. The closest piece of furniture to the most powerful Ark of the Covenant is that altar of incense. That's why prayer is important. That's why Jesus said, my house would be a house a prayer, but everything was a picture of heaven. It was a picture what was here earthly from Moses. All was a copy of something that already have existed in heaven. And there is where our Lord ministered. Let's look at verse three. He goes on to say, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, speaking of Christ, this one also have something to offer. Verse 4, for if he were on earth, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Now, on the earthly tabernacle, the priest would offer the gifts. You find that in the feast and according to the law, according to what's written in scripture. But in heaven, in the true tabernacle, there the Lord has erected, not man. Jesus Christ, our great high priest, offered a better sacrifice, a superior sacrifice. And what was that sacrifice? Himself. No man could take my life, he says. I lay it down. He offered himself. Think about that. The creator of the universe who created heaven and earth before even existed, he has no beginning and no end. We cannot comprehend that. Maybe we get a little bit more understanding when we get to heaven. I like what Chuck Smith would say. He says, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be dumber than you are now. <laughs> you're going to be a lot smarter. It's going to be an intuitive knowledge. You're going to know things. You're going to know things right off the bat. You're going to have a, the glorified body. Obviously, you're going to have a glorified mind. And so you're going to be one with the Lord. You're going to know these things. But before that, we're talking about the creator of the universe laying down his life, leaving his throne in glory to take our place in Calvary. Jesus Christ gave his life to pay for the sins of the world. According to the old covenant, the law, you know, the sacrifice of animals would only cover sin. It only covered sin because they would have to do it again every year. The priest had to do it every day. You see, 
However, Jesus Christ, the great high priest, is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin, doesn't cover it with sin. Never you find it in language. The language you find in Christ as being the high priest laying down his life for us is not to cover sin, not to throw it under the rug, but to take away our sin. This is what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who covers our sin? No, takes away the sins of of the world and that's what he's done as high priest verse 5 he said who served the copy and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said the Lord said to him, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain build it exactly as I tell you exactly and you know it's more than just having a little tabernacle and where they could come in and seek the Lord but it's to point to how heaven would be I know to the children of Israel back then they probably looked at the tabernacle and said wow this is beautiful gold and cherubims on the panel it was the best tabernacle it was a big tent but that tent was better than all the other tents on the campus because it's to point to Jesus and it points to the heaven, the heaven of heavens and so we have a great high priest And what the writer of Hebrews is trying to relate to the Jewish believers who at this time were going through severe persecution. They found a new faith in Christ. They found that Jesus is the Mashiach, the Messiah. They were tempted to go back to the temple, to the high priest. And what he's trying to say to the Jewish believers, the first readers of Hebrews, and he's what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you and I is that we believe and worship the real thing. We believe and worship the real God. That was a shadow. That was a copy. We worship the real thing who is in the real heaven. You know, we don't worship shadows. And you know, the Old Testament again was to give a picture of what would come. That's what Paul tells in Galatians. We don't worship the shadow. You know, when I come home, if I haven't been home for a long time and my wife wants to hug me and I come in, the sun is shining back on me and there's my shadow. She's not going to hug the shadow. (laughs) My dogs don't do that, you know. She's not going to look at the pictures. Oh, how you doing? (laughs) No, the actual thing. And so we worship the real priest, the high priest who is serving, doing his priestly ministry in the real heaven. Let's look at verse 6. He says, but now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the New. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. 
The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.